0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with
1: Viator. Welcome to another edition of the Out of Sight Podcast on the Liberty Ballers Network. Chill rides, chill vibes. I am deal Royster. And it is Monday. I am recording on location at my regular nine to five office. I'm the only one here, and uh you know what? Screw it. I'm going to record my podcast here. And I have Harrison Grimm on the line once again, going for the 3 Pete on the Out of Side podcast. He penned a column last week about the Sixers salary cap situation. And given the fact that we are into the off-season, why not get in there and talk about it so Harrison how you doing Mike my guy I'm
0: doing great man I'm doing great and I'm really excited to talk about the dire situation that is the Sixers salary cap I appreciate you having me on again
1: absolutely let's just dive right in you I love how you use the word dire because that's the exact word I use so how how dire is the Sixers salary cap situation headed into this offseason it's, it's definitely dire <laughs> to, to say that word again. Um, there yeah, are plenty it, of, there are plenty of synonyms for the word dire, but I feel like that's the word that fits most. Oh uh,
0: well, well, we're sticking with it with this. We'll um, stick with it. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's a really grim type of situation. Uh, there's just not much flexibility. It, it's funny because a few years ago with, with Sam Hinkey at the helm, he talked about optionality flexibility and those days are really gone the Sixers are locked into primarily four massive contracts with Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Al Horford and Tobias Harris and Uh, there's just not much that they can do obviously two of those names are worth the contracts the other two obviously are up for debate we're going to talk about that more I'm sure Uh, but there's just not much flexibility Uh, approaching this summer they they really have to be careful about the direction that they choose to go in because they're in this deep hole that they might not uh, be able to get out of
1: I'm gonna ask kind of a funny question what feels like it was longer ago when the Sixers had flexibility in salary cap space or when the Eagles won the Super Bowl what feels like it happened the longest ago?
0: That's a tough question.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's a really tough question.
0: I would say say the Sixers uh, having, like, flexibility just because it it feels like forever ago that, like, Robert Covington or Dario Sarge was a Sixer, when in reality, it was only, like, a year and a half to two years ago. Oh, my God. But but, but so much has happened that's been downhill, so – that that that's gonna be my answer for that question. The,
1: it just feels like if you're a Sixers fan, it just feels like the anxiety and the fear of like the year 2020. It's just it's just been happening for the last what three four years now for
0: for us. Oh yeah, it, it's just been a it just constant... feels that
1: bad all the time.
0: Oh yeah, it's just been a constant downward slope into <laughs> where where we are in the pits of despair.
1: Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid. Horford, Tobias Harris. Those are the four big money makers right now for this team. And I kind of want to ask, like, is the, who's that one Sixers player that's definitely not playing to the potential of the contract? I guess the easy answer is Tobias, right?
0: I would actually disagree, and I think I would say Horford. And a, a lot of that goes into my decision with saying that. Obviously, the fit is less than ideal. That, that horse has already been beaten. Um, but Tobias, while he did have a down year from, uh, three, I believe he shot somewhere around the 36% mark, which is okay. But with the Sixers, they need spacing. So obviously that's not going to cut it. Um, he did score the ball efficiently. He averaged just under 20 points per game on really efficient shooting. He's obviously an above average rebounder for his size. So is Tobias overpaid? Definitely but he really did perform similarly to some of his past seasons. Like I said, his three-point percentage was a bit down. But otherwise, he basically is the Tobias Harris that was advertised outside of that shooting. While on the other end, Al Horford obviously aged another year. Um, He's only going to go downhill from here. I think he's better than what he's shown with the Sixers, but you can definitely tell that father time is definitely catching up with Al Horford.
1: And with Horford, sure, he would be the most expensive bench player possibly in history. I don't know. But like this, this needs to happen, right? Like Doc Rivers needs to just come out and just be like, look, you need to come off the bench, dude. I'm sorry. That's just how this is going to have to work.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely think that in the scenario in which they just can't trade Al Horford or the price to move off of his contract is too high, that... Doc does need to go in that direction. Now, I will say it's a bit concerning that I believe when they played the Sixers at home or when the Sixers played them in L.A., uh, Doc was actually asked about the Sixers' uh, front court situation regarding Joel Embiid and Al Horford, and he was quoted as saying that they'll figure it out. They'll make it work.
1: Oh, no. Um,
0: <laughs> so, so that's a bit concerning now that he's on the other side of the fence with with that maybe he might feel differently or maybe he won't even have to deal with it at all if the Sixers do find a trade partner to take out Horford
1: one last thing about Tobias uh I I'm just wondering like does you said he had a down year last year 19 points a game 36 percent from three last year but does he still need to play maybe a little bit better for the Sixers to get back where they want to be
0: Well, I I think ultimately when you look at Tobias Harris, he does need to perform better. I'm not sure if he's capable of that as he is technically in his prime. Typically a basketball player's prime is around age 27 to 30, 31, and he's 27 now, so he is technically in his basketball prime. Uh, Like I said, he he performed as advertised. He's going to be someone that can get you 20 points a game. He can rebound the ball well. He's not going to give you too much defensively. Um, And and that's really what he showed this year. And I I think him playing almost out of position. uh, He played small forward for the majority of the season when in reality, he's much better utilized as as a power forward, in my opinion, just taking advantage of mismatches and not having to guard those quicker uh, threes in the NBA. Um, he he did perform well. And I do think that if you moved him to the power forward spot full time, I do think you would see some of those numbers creep up a little bit, but I do think that the Tobias Harris that we're seeing now is going to be the Tobias Harris that you get for the remaining uh, four years in his contract going forward.
1: I did want to touch on something that you wrote in the piece and it's about Jason Richardson and you quoted him you use the quote that he's a very good player on a great contract. I actually wanted to talk to you about that because there was a piece all in Liberty Ballers today. And I think Steve wrote it, uh, Steve Lippman, And he was talking about swapping Richardson for Spencer Dinwiddie. Is that something that kind of makes sense at all?
0: Yeah, it's really unfortunate that the fit in Philly is so bad with Josh Richardson because he is a really good player. I know that might not be an opinion shared by most Sixers fans or, or people that watch the Sixers, and he did have a bit of a down year as well with the Sixers, just because the fit is a bit clunky. He's not the strongest shooter; he can shoot, but it's not what he's best at. He's best at creating off the dribble. He has a really good mid-range game. The Sixers just don't have the personnel to to suit those needs. So. A trade for Spencer Dinwoody would make a lot of sense on paper because Spencer Dinwoody, um, he, he's kind of a similar type of shooter. He's not the greatest three-point shooter. He can get hot, um, but, but he's best slashing to the rim or, or just shooting the mid-range. But the thing about Spencer Dinwoody is he can create a lot better and a lot more reliably off the dribble. On the other hand, uh, the Brooklyn Nets would get a great defender to insert next to Kyrie or Kevin Durant. Um, so it does make it a lot of sense because Josh Richardson was kind of used as the backup point guard for the majority of the season. Um, and while he can do that, I, I don't think it's something that should be done reliably. And the best way to s- describe Josh Richardson is kind of clunky on offense. Like he, yeah. can, he can do a little bit of everything, but his style of play is just very mechanical. So when, when you look at Josh Richardson, Or Spencer Dinwiddie. Spencer Dinwiddie does make a lot more sense. He can create off the dribble more reliably. Uh, He can shoot, I would say he is a better shooter than Josh Richardson. Uh, Both players do have player options after this upcoming season. So regardless of if if you receive Dinwiddie or receive Richardson in a trade, you do have the risk and likelihood that they will opt out of that contract uh, for more years or more pay.
1: And I think Dinwiddie is, I think Dinwiddie specifically has been on the cusp of a big payout from some other team. What other team that is, I don't know, but I do agree with you taking the risk on Dinwiddie like that because does Richardson command more on the open market than Dinwiddie would?
0: It's really tough to say, and I think it depends team per team. I think both players are on a similar type of level in terms of what they're going to get in their next contract. Um, I do think Spencer Dinwiddie would probably earn a little bit more than Josh Richardson, but that would be nitpicking and and predicting just because Spencer Dinwiddie can get you 20 a game. Mm -hmm. Um, And and another thing when it comes to that argument or or that discussion that that Steve wrote about was – uh the fact that the Nets already have Kyrie Irving, who's a premier point guard when healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, do they really need a Spencer Dinwiddie on the team? Or would they rather have a three and D guy like Josh Richardson uh to play in the backcourt alongside Ka- alongside Kyrie Irving?
1: Yeah. Yeah, crow's time in a playoff series and you're asking Kyrie Irving and Spencer Dinwiddie to lock down their guy on defense good, good luck with that brooklyn have, have fun with that um getting into the spending of money um just want to do a quick little uh, luxury tax 101 for those that aren't 100 percent clear on how it works um so what's the what's the sixers luxury tax situation
0: So the Sixers are on pace to earn about $147 million uh, for their payroll for next season, which is a very big number. Uh, Basically, when it comes to the luxury tax, this is going to be kind of hard to explain. So I strongly recommend that you you go check out my piece or or search up something about the luxury tax because this is going to be a lot of percentages and numbers. But basically, for all uh, the stat crunchers out there. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> basically, w- when, when you're over the salary cap by a certain amount, you actually get multiplied the money. It, it's a tax that you're um, paying players more than the, 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 the base salary of the NBA. So where the Sixers are right now, they're going to have about a 3.25 multiplier on their money. So basically, uh, ma- making it sim- uh, simple as possible – for every dollar a player earns, the Sixers are actually going to be shelling out $3.25. And while that might not sound like a much like that, we're talking about players earning millions upon millions of dollars. So that adds up very quickly. Um, so basically, when it comes to the Sixers salary cap situation, they're going to be paying an additional $30 million plus easily just in the luxury tax to keep this team together, assuming right. that... They don't trade Horford. Uh, They use their mid-level exception um, and also use their first-round pick. That's assuming all of that. Obviously, a lot of that's up in the air right now. But this is a very expensive team, and it's going to continue to be a very expensive team as long as you're paying Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Tobias, and Al Horford this money. Now, going forward, I, I think it's likely that you might see one of Horford or Tobias, probably more Horford, uh, shipped off in a future trade to kind of trim down that salary. And I also mentioned this in my piece. Um, it's very possible they might package like maybe like a, a second round pick or something uh, with Mike Scott just to get off his money. Because when you think about it, um, if you ship off Mike Scott, you're essentially saving uh, around roughly. This is without calculations uh northwards of of 10 million dollars if you ship him out um and that way you could give someone else the mid-level exception that is actually more playable just due to mike scott not being playable for the majority of the season
1: and i say this all the time whenever mike scott is brought up on the podcast listen shout out to the mike scott i love you guys i really do but your, your boy wasn't that great last season okay like I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to dump on Mike Scott at all. So trust me, I don't want that smoke. Harrison doesn't want that smoke. We're all fine with Mike Scott. He just was not great last season.
0: Yeah. It, it was really ugly at certain points last season. Obviously Mike Scott, the person is a really cool dude, but it just seemed like every time he launched a three pointer that it was just a brick or it was off. And there's a every blue moon game where he would get like 15 and, it would be great to see, you know, Mike Scott's a great guy. It's cool to root for him, uh, but he really just took a step back this season.
1: Too often last year, I was watching Scott take threes and just, just saying, oh, that, that's off. That's not going in. Like that happened way too often last season as opposed to season before where I was just like, okay, that, that's cash money when it leaves his hands.
0: Yeah, and that's not something you want to see from the guy earning the most money outside of your starting five of Simmons, Richardson, Harris, Horford, and Embiid. Mike Scott's actually earning the most money outside of those guys, and he wasn't playable. And you just can't afford to have that. You only have one mid-level exception every season. You have to capitalize on it.
1: It should be noted that only the first round pick affects the salary of the Sixers. Uh, Second rounders are negotiated individually, like two-way contracts, et cetera. And it brings me to another point and have to repeat it. I know you mentioned packaging. Mike's gotten a second rounder just to get off his contract, but second rounders this year are going to be incredibly important as far as getting Decent depth for this team.
0: Yeah. And and this is an area where the Sixers have received a lot of justified criticism just by practically giving away second rounders, selling them. Um, And what a lot of people don't understand is when a team sells a second round pick or any draft pick for that matter, the money doesn't go to the players or doesn't benefit the salary cap at all. It legitimately just goes directly into the owner's pocket. Mm -hmm. So, when when you have a team like the Sixers that has struggled with depth over the past few seasons, and you just see them practically giving away these draft picks when when the team needs help off the bench, it's incredibly frustrating, and and fr- fans should be frustrated. Now, when it comes to the Sixers' draft this year, they have uh, four or five picks. I forget the exact number. Uh, second it's round picks. Yeah, it's four second round picks. Um it's unlikely that they're going to use all those picks just because assuming that the team doesn't waive Norvel Pell or Firkin Korkmaz, who are their non-guaranteed contracts, they're going to be coming into next season with 11 players. Obviously that might change in the event of a trade, but there's only 15 full-time players on a roster. So you're not going to want to bring in four new guys on contracts. You obviously want to, get some veterans and free agency, use the mid-level exception, of course. So I think it's likely that they'll take uh, one or two rookies and maybe another on a two-way deal because Mariel Shayok's two-way deal actually goes into next season. So they already technically have one two-way guy. So I think you'll see two new rookies, uh, assuming they keep their first rounder and second rounder. And then I think that they'll take a two-way guy maybe in the late second round. And, if they want to trade picks, which they're very likely to do, like I said, they're not going to want to bring in all these good young play- or all these young players to their team. Rather, mm-hmm. um, what they need to do is they they can't sell it. They can't sell those picks now. If you want to get off Mike Scott's contract to to save some money, I understand the argument for that. While it would be better keeping him, uh, just in the event of a future trade to match salary. Uh, I I do understand why the Sixers would ship him off to save a good amount of money. What they can't afford to do is sell second round picks because those are just assets. Yeah, those are just assets that, that essentially go down the drain and they don't benefit the team at all. So if they want to trade away second rounders, which I think they should to an extent, uh, you got to get some form of asset in return. So like a future second rounder or just a, a young player you want to take a chance on or something that can give you some value.
1: Just last year, the second round, I, I feel like I've been more frustrated with that, the selling, trading second round picks, et cetera. Um, for example, I'm just going to take the 42nd pick from last year in the second round. That's the, that was the Admiral Schofield pick that was traded to Washington. The pick before that, sure, it wasn't wasn't gonna be there, but the pick before that was Eric Pasco. Two picks later, Bull Bull. Are you kidding me, Sixers? You didn't you didn't think far enough to head where either of those guys would be beneficial to the bench. Are you kidding me? Like that's that's, yeah, and that's seen... complete short-sightedness. And somebody needs to be smacked square in the face.
0: Yeah, and and we've really seen the Sixers take a step back from developing players. And it's just wild to see when when you had Sam Hankey and bring in Brett Brown, they were like, we want to develop a Spurs-like system where we bring in raw, undefined talent and and turn them into quality players. And outside of, like, their high picks, like I'm talking, like, Ben or or Joel – we we really haven't seen that since Robert no. Covington or or TJ McConnell, and it's unfortunate to see because a lot of these players like like Bobo, they're these intriguing prospects. We saw it during the um the bubble, uh, some of the preseason games in the bubble where Bobo showed some incredible potential. Bulbul was yeah.
1: getting buckets in the bubble, man.
0: Yeah, it, he is an incredible prospect, and the crazy thing about Bobo Bull Bull is. The Sixers and Elton Brand after that draft were like, we don't want to bring in a ton of new guys, and like I said, that makes sense to a certain extent. But the Nuggets got Bobo on a two way contract. Seriously, oh my god! <laughs> like, like that's Christ. one of that's probably the most valuable two way contract in the entire league because you got a guy with who who you aren't paying much money at all. Um, who, and he who definitely can... needs.
1: And his he can bounce, and he and he can bounce between the NBA and the G League to get that 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 wonderful seasoning.
0: Precisely. Obviously, he's probably not going to win you games now, but his ceiling is sky high, and a lot of things need to happen for him to, to fill his potential. Obviously, but why not take a swing on someone like that? Uh, they ended up taking Mario Shayok, who uh, put together a solid G League season. He was top eh. five in in scoring in the G League. But but the thing about him is his, his ceiling really isn't that high. He's already, uh, I believe, over, over 25 because he was a five-year college guy. He, he took a red shirt year, transferring to Iowa State. He, he's not going to be a, a guy that, that turns into a star by any means. Like, he, he could become a potential bench player. Like I said, he is a talented scorer. But he's not someone like Bobo who's young and has all these skills and just needs to put it together.
1: I, that that one I will never get over like just just thinking of all the merchandising uh sanctioned by Liberty Ballers that could have been the Sixers have a few free agents and I'm just gonna assume that you know Corkmaz is back next year like I mean there's there's just no way <laughs> there's just I, no I
0: think that's a safe assumption there's just
1: no way they are, they're letting probably the best shooter they have just walk um but Alec Burks is also a free agent. He's probably gone.
0: Yeah, Alec Burks put together a career season, and he's going to be in a week free agency cl- class. So you would do what you or I would probably do and, and secure the bag. Cash secure out the bag,
1: baby. Uh, <laughs> same for Glenn Robinson III.
0: Uh, yeah, his time with the Sixers was strange. We really didn't get to see much of him because uh, he got hurt in the bubble, which is really unfortunate. Because yeah, because we like wanted
1: him in the Mike Scott role.
0: Yeah, and he provided a lot of off-ball slashing. He was having a career year from three, even though he kind of forgot how to shoot like most players do when they arrive to Philadelphia. Uh, I, I do think he would have been a great fit. And he's someone that was from the process years that did have some former friendship with Joel Embiid. But, you know, throughout the the entire year, especially a few weeks after the Sixers got him, he was like, i don't know exactly what my role is. And while that is a questionable comment because his role is basically play defense slash to the rim Mm -hmm. and hit three pointers. Um, It it just seems like he, he didn't necessarily want to be here and similar to Burks, he was having a career year. He was carving out a role for himself. Uh, So I think he will look to just cash out. I I think it's um, the Sixers might offer him some form of contract. I, would be interested in offering him the mid-level exception. Uh, but I, I'm not sure if the interest is mutual between him and the Sixers.
1: Uh, Raul Neto, I, I like, but I feel there are better options, and we'll get into those in a minute.
0: Yeah, How was someone that was a scapegoat for a lot of things, but the Sixers did, contrary to popular belief, make the right decision in keeping him over Burke. Um, I don't know if they should have gotten rid of Trey Burke, but they no. did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Howell Netto was, was solid. He's obviously not good enough to be the backup full-time point guard on a championship squad, but as a third-string point guard, he's really solid. He played decent defense, hit his threes, ran the offense well. Um, it's possible they might bring him back, but entirely depends on, on trades and what happens in the draft. They go and get a shot-creating guard, um, everything down
1: that line. And then Kylo Quinn, who I l- really like, is just like a—he's—he's a—he's a locker room guy. He's—he's he's somebody that like keeps everybody light and just like laughing and funny and cracking jokes all the time. I—I um, I don't know if I would spend too much of the MLE on him, but if he wants to take the vet minimum, that's fine.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely think he's gonna be a, a vet minimum player, whether it's on the Sixers or not. Uh, obviously, we saw Norvel Pell actually get inserted into the rotation above Oquinn.
1: Free uh, Norvel,
0: surprising. Uh, yeah, Norvel. is a great guy. Like I mentioned, he was he was on a non-guaranteed deal. I, I do think that they'll end up bringing him back just because we don't know what the center situation is going to look like in a few months out, um, and he's on a very affordable non-guaranteed contract. But going back to Kyle O'Quinn, uh, like you said, he is a great locker room guy. We saw in some of those Matisse videos, if you uh-huh. watched him, he, he was always around Matisse um, and Tobias. And he was a voice, a, a good voice in a lot of those videos. And he seems like a great guy. But I, I do think he's someone that wants to get on the court more. It was inconsistent at best when Kylo Quinn got on the court. So I do think he will opt to go to another team.
1: Sixers Twitter was trying to get Kylo Quinn for the longest time, and then when the Sixers finally did, it was just it was kind of underwhelming a little bit.
0: Yeah, I, I thought his time here would would be a bit better. I, I felt like um, at times he should have played more. Uh, obviously, when the Sixers spend twenty eight million on a center, too, that kind of takes into some of the, the playing time in Al Horford. Um, but. In terms of the shooting, too, he was a solid fit. He was always a good mid-range shooter. We saw him expand on some three-point shooting. He's an underrated passer, honestly. Um, And I remember there there was reports the year before the Sixers actually signed him that the Sixers were hammering out a deal, and it just never came to fruition. He eventually went to Indiana for a year before coming here. Uh, But I do think that Kylo Quinn's time is unfortunately done in Philadelphia.
1: You also brought up some of your own targets in your piece and you split it up between uh, guards and big men, which I thought was awesome. Um, Some of the names that were on this list, uh, Reggie Jackson.
0: Reggie's awesome.
1: Reggie, if you can can get Reggie Jackson on the MLE, sign me up. No problem.
0: I I would definitely be on board with that. Reggie obviously has had his... Fair share of, of injury concerns. Uh, I believe he also has some asthma problems. Uh-huh. Uh, but, but when healthy, the dude can play. And, and he showed it during the bubble and even some moments in the playoffs. Like he can shoot. He can run the offense. He's someone that would definitely help the Sixers. He, he's exactly what the Sixers actually need off the bench. If they could get him on the mid-level exception, that would be awesome. And the thing is, he was, uh, while it was short-lived, He was someone that was coached under doc rivers so i do think it's incredibly likely that the sixers will try and go get someone from that former clippers team uh just to ease doc's transition into the team
1: uh same could be said about austin about austin rivers uh doc's son who you know yeah he always had that kind of like i'm doc Rivers' son and just like trying to carve out a name for himself but once he kind of stopped doing that he his career trajectory got a little bit better. Like once he left the Clippers under Doc Rivers, I feel like he he flourished a little bit more.
0: Yeah, in terms of, of play, Austin Rivers is exactly what the Sixers need. The only concern with him, obviously, is there were some locker room issues um, in L.A. While it seems like a lot of that has been toned down since he went to Houston, I'm not sure if the Sixers want to bring in doc river's son into a locker room that may or may not already have some problems Mm
1: -hmm. Uh,
0: but but the on court on court fit rather is very good so i do think it's a name that they should explore Uh, but but like i said in in terms of the off the court stuff some of the other names on the list that i have uh might be better suited
1: dj augustine and jeff t you both you mentioned both of them and i feel kind of the same way about both of them Jeff Teague is—he's definitely not Atlanta first go around Atlanta Jeff Teague when they won sixty games, but I think Jeff Teague can do more at all three levels. I feel like the most I've known of DJ Augustine is that he's lethal from three, which I mean, there's nothing to sneeze at.
0: Yeah, DJ Augustine—he um he is getting up there in age now, but he was someone that was Orlando's point guard for the past two years, starting point guard, I should say. For the past few years, that really should not be a starting point guard. But that being said, he's the perfect backup. Yeah, he, he can get you 10 and 5 in a good amount of minutes, play okay defense, passable defense. Um, and like you said, he, he's a really good three-point shooter. And he was someone that everyone has always said, like the Sixers just need a DJ Augustine guy. Yeah. So now that he, he's a free agent, the Sixers can potentially go get him. And going to Jeff Teague, he definitely has taken a step back from that 60-win Atlanta Hawks team, all-star Jeff T. Uh The Timberwolves fans really despised him towards the end of his, his tenure. He was just mm. not good on defense, and his offense was starting to fall off. But he's someone that I, I think uh, could help the Sixers. He's a decent shooter, decent defender. Um, he's a really good locker room guy. So I definitely think that's a name that they should take a look at.
1: I think my favorite – uh, quote-unquote realistic target that you have in terms of the guards, Langston Galloway. That is 100% my favorite target.
0: Yeah, that, that was a name that was kind of floating around as a potential trade deadline person that the Sixers were were interested in and makes a lot of sense. He, I believe, is above average um, from shooting from three. Yeah, he shot 40%. Um, he can create off the dribble and he can be a uh, off guard or at time, you know, play make ball handle a little bit and that's exactly what the Sixers need with with someone like Ben Simmons just someone that he can play off of someone that doesn't need the ball constantly um and someone that can create for themselves and other players
1: bring back the St. Joe's University product I just want to point this out guys he shot 40 percent from three last year on five attempts a game uh yes can we have some of that
0: It's much needed. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: As far as big men, uh, you mentioned John Henson, Patrick Patterson, or Willie Cauley Stein. I think of those three, I probably like Patterson the most because I would have said Willie Cauley Stein were it not for the fact that Norval Pell is kind of good because they kind of do similar things. They're basically the same player.
0: Yeah, when it it comes to those three, my my mindset was basically who's someone that they can get on the mid-level exception or vet minimum deal. Uh, When it comes to John Henson, he's similar, a lot similar actually to Norvell Pell, uh, probably a little bit better defensively. Obviously, he's had some injury troubles in the past, but he's someone in the event of an Al Horford trade where they need a bona fide backup if they don't fully trust Norvell Pell yet. He's someone that could be a solid option. Patrick Patterson is a name I really think makes a lot of sense just because he was a Doc Rivers guy. Um, he's someone that can occasionally hit the three. Um, and he's someone that while he is a bit undersized at, at the five spot, um, he's someone that can pass as, as a stretch five for, for certain amounts of time. And like I said, you can get him on a really cheap deal. Willie colley is a very similar player to Norvell Powell, rim runner, decent defender, the thing that I really like about Willie Cauley-Stein is the fact that he's probably one of the fastest centers, if not the fastest in the NBA, in the transition. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you if you search up some film of him, it's actually crazy how, how fast he can go. And I think that would be really intriguing alongside Ben Simmons just in transition um, as a lot of threat.
1: And Pat Patterson, I, I love Pat Patterson. And, like, when I watch him play, the first name that comes to my mind is, you know – older bars DL, like Spurs bars DL. Like you, you never really think much of him if he's on the court, but when he's on the court, he's, he's doing things. He's doing stuff.
0: Yeah. Patrick Patterson is someone that, that is just a solid player. I don't think he's going to be a game changer, but he's definitely someone that that could be uh, a usable player, especially with the Sixers that need spacing, uh, just need a cheap option at the five, especially if they do move Horford. Um, and like I said, similar to Reggie Jackson, he could definitely ease Doc's transition and as the Sixers coach.
1: So you have your list and then I scoured the spot track as well. Um, and here, okay. here's, some, here's, here's some names I came up with. So just let me know what you think of these. Uh, so the first one I can't take complete credit for because it was originally floated by Keith Pompey, the Philadelphia Inquirer. Uh, Rondo.
0: That, that's, it's really hard to, to gauge Rondo's value because he was very useful in, in the postseason and in the finals, especially as, as a player for the Lakers. He really showed some pretty dominant flashes, honestly, considering his age and, and play style. He's always been someone that has been pointed to as someone that's not going to last in the modern NBA. And while his three-point shooting is streaky at best, he is a reliable playmaker. He is a, a good teammate.
1: I think you're um, being st- I think you're stretching that streaky word with Rondo.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, like I said, streaky at best. Like, oh my god. And, and he's not. He's not obviously not a good free throw shooter either. He's actually historically one of the worst in in terms of point guards. But he's someone that is is a solid defender, a really good playmaker. He's not. He's not going to be someone that gets buckets off the bench reliably. But he is someone that can run an offense and get other guys involved. And while that is intriguing, I do think Rondo is going to cash out or re-sign with the Lakers. I I think right now he's kind of in the twilight years of his career. He's getting up there in age. So it it really depends where his mindset is. Does he want another ring with the Lakers? Because if he stays with the Lakers, he does have a really solid chance. Yeah. (laughs) Or is he going to want to secure the bag? Because he, he really put on a show on, on a national stage and said, guess what? I can still play and be useful. So is he going to use that and go get a one-year big salary contract? That's very possible, too.
1: I just don't know what team is going to give Rondo more than, like, $6 million a season. I just can't picture it.
0: Maybe a team – well, any team that needs a, a point guard. So maybe – a team like the Phoenix Suns, where he could be Ricky Rubio's backup if if they don't take uh, yeah, one guard in that. the draft. I can see yeah, that. They, maybe something like that. Uh,
1: next name: Courtney Lee. Courtney
0: Lee is is a really cool one. He's been someone that has been rumored to the Sixers in the past. It's just never really happened because he was making around twelve million a year, and which is a lot for Courtney Lee. Um, he. he really developed into a, a three and d kind of guy the the d in that three and d kind of fell off in recent years <laughs> <laughs> but he, he is a solid family fam,
1: family show harrison family show
0: <laughs> not not that type of d but, okay <laughs> but um Courtney Lee is, is someone that's a solid shooter. The only reason I, I wouldn't say him is he's not really someone that can create off the dribble that well or reliably. And I feel like you have someone that's up and coming and at this point probably better um, in Firk and Corkmas.
1: Okay, you you want a creator? Here you go, uh, Shabazz Napier. Sh-
0: now Shabazz is is again he's he's Shabazz, like, I'm sorry, like he's similar to a DJ Augustin type where. Uh, the Sixers Twitter has always been like the Sixers need a Shabazz Napier Um, and he's someone that would be a great fit good shooter can playmate create off the dribble Uh, probably not the best person to run your offense but that's not essentially what the Sixers definitely need they honestly just need someone that can shoot off the dribble Um, and he's someone that can come
1: in and do that and, uh, of course, I'm saving th- – I saved this one for last because I want to get everybody excited right now. Dario. You you
0: are talking right now to definitely not the biggest Dario fan. When they <laughs> traded him – I might get slandered for this. But when, when they traded him, I was actually pretty satisfied just because I didn't want to pay him. He, he's someone that it plays like a five but is too small to play the five. So, he plays the four. And in the Eastern Conference where you have people like Jason Tatum at the floor or Pascal Siakam or Jay Crowder on Miami, all athletic guys, um, I just feel like Dario would get cooked. And while I love him as a person and he is a really good player, I just don't see that happening uh, for for that reason alone and also due to the fact that he's probably going to ask for more money that the Sixers can offer in a $5 million mid-level exception.
1: Is he like how, what has he done to deserve a, a large bag like he was he was good with the Sixers and then t- between Minnesota and Phoenix he's just he's just looked lost and well, I don't know well, if that like, I don't know if Phoenix, that's coaching I don't know what that is
0: well it, it honestly just seems like he did not want to be
1: in Minnesota
0: <laughs> who does but...
1: other than maybe Carl Anthony Towns
0: yeah, but with Phoenix, he definitely showed some some flashes and potential. And off the bench, he was a key scorer alongside Cameron Payne. I can't believe I'm saying that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but
0: him and Cameron Payne were a dynamic duo off the bench. They were a big part of why Phoenix went undefeated in the bubble. Um, he, he's someone that I do think is just going to look to get the biggest contract possible. I do think it's likely he'll take a short deal. Just because, like you said, he has had a down year, year and a half, or or two years. Uh, So I do think he might take a short-term deal on a lot of money. And like I said before, this is a really weak free agency class. The the best player is Anthony Davis, who has already been reported that he's going to re-sign with the Lakers. So
1: I don't know why anybody outside of Los Angeles got their hopes up because Anthony Davis uh, declined as a player option. Like, that doesn't mean anything. That just means he's going for the $200 million contract. That's all that means. He's staying in L.A. Stop it.
0: Yeah, I think the only team that had some shot was his hometown team of Chicago, but I I don't see him turning down a chance to play with LeBron in L.A to play with a rebuilding Chicago Bulls team that might win in the future, but there's still a lot of question marks with.
1: And then usher in the next era of Lakers basketball.
0: Yeah, for sure. He, he's definitely going to be the face when whenever LeBron decides to hang it up, which right now is looking like never. But when that time comes, it's, it's definitely going to be the Unibrow in L.A.
1: I always, get, I, always get, I always get Knicks fans in my Menchies and they're just like, oh, we're totally getting Anthony Davis. He turned down his player option. Like, no, you're not. You're the, nobody's going to New York. It's like, oh, Giannis. Like, no, Giannis is either staying in Milwaukee or is going to Miami with Jimmy Butler, okay? Like, you're not getting Giannis. You're not getting Anthony Davis. You lost Kevin Durant to Brooklyn. You lost Kevin Durant to the little brother team of your damn city, okay? You're not getting Anthony Davis, Knicks fans. Stop it. Just stop right now. You're not getting anybody until James Dolan is not the owner anymore. I'm sorry to be blunt with you like that, but that's the way it is.
0: I I feel for Knicks fans because they own so many names. We we could go down the list and it's just been miss after miss. And now they have Taj Gibson and Bobby Portis and R.J.
1: Barrett. (laughs) They have six different power forwards and R.J. Barrett. Yeah,
0: I, I honestly <laughs> feel for them. As someone whose team has had bad roster management and signing a bajillion forwards and centers, I feel their pain. <laughs>
1: uh should be fun off season either way. So uh read Harrison's primer, everybody. Get ready for this potential s show depending on what happens if they trade Horford if they don't trade Horford if they move Harris if they sell second round picks then Harrison and I will be picketing the offices in Camden much like the rest of you Harrison tell everybody where they can find your materials uh, on the site on Twitter social media I I don't know if you're on I don't know if you signed up for TikTok before you know it was kind of shut down in this country but whatever
0: (laughs) well i'm not on tiktok but you can find my work uh i'm not i'm not
1: either but that's only because i'm (laughs) i'll be 40 years old next month and i feel like if you're (laughs) close to 40 like that's an app that you don't really need to be on
0: yeah i'll tell you what it it definitely is a a strange place but you you can find my work on obviously liberty ballers uh you can follow me on twitter at harrison underscore grim that's grim with two m's
1: two m's (laughs) <laughs> Two M's, like,
0: just like the rapper
1: like the brothers grim <laughs> exactly <laughs> appreciate you coming on harrison good talking to you as always love your work and uh looking forward to getting you on here a fourth time and uh i can't well yeah you you would have you four appearances for harrison like four of lebron's titles there we go
0: yep just with a better uh record so <laughs> oh, thanks, thanks. wow <laughs> Gas fired. Jesus.
1: I love LeBron,
0: but but (laughs) thanks thanks again for having me on. I really do
1: appreciate it. Always love it, Harrison. Talk to you soon.